My name is Kayla Omadayo. And my name is Teresa Corbin. And this is the Islamwich Podcast. You are listening to the Islamwich Podcast, where we discuss all things Muslim, all things American, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to the Islamwich Podcast. My name is Kayla, and today we're going to be talking with my friend Eva. Eva's been Muslim for about 20 years, and she's a mother of six, most of whom are teenage boys. In the world today, it's not easy to raise teenage boys into good Muslim men. And Eva and I talk about what a good Muslim man is, some ideas she has on how to inculcate love for God and Islam in your children starting from a young age, ways that she handles questions of faith and doubt, and we tackle the really hard topics like girls, porn, and sexuality. So without further ado, my friend Eva. So I understand most of your kids are boys, right? Yeah, five boys and one girl. Oh, mashallah. She's going to be a lucky girl. Guys are going to be scared to death to mess with her. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you said you've been Muslim for about 22 years. Give us the quick and dirty Reader's Digest version of how you came to Islam. As a as a teen, I was a missionary, and I went like on mission trips to Mexico and stuff. And um, and so I also, when I would come back home, I would like to you know make um, witness to people around me. And I knew some Kurdish people up where I was from in Fargo, Moorhead, uh, Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota, Moorhead, Minnesota, and. Uh, I knew them, and they were really nice people, and I said, hey, i got to bring these people to Jesus. And uh, so I would go visit them and talk to them, and one of them gave me a call and said, hey, why don't you check this out? And I said, okay, yeah, I'm going to check it out to get some more argument points of why their faith was wrong. (laughs) And, um, yeah, little did I know. Um, And then uh, I started reading it, and and then the more I read it, I was like, it kind of like clicks with me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I remember really being resistive to it because I was very, you know, strong in my opinions and the Christian faith and I didn't, I had no intention of converting out of it or anything. And so eventually it was like around Palm Sunday, I just, you know, was like getting more and more convinced of it. And on Palm Sunday, I was I was supposed to sing a duet with my friend, and we did. It was a Michael W. Smith song that says, you know, roaming around this world, just trying to find my place in this world. So it got kind of jumbled, but what happened is, Eva says that while singing that song, she realized that her place in this world was in Islam, and her life would really never be the same again. And I knew I could never go back to church, and I told um, my family I'm not going back to church anymore, and they were like, they thought I had got possessed. They called in the youth pastor. They're like, she's been bewitched by these other people she's been hanging around with. You know, something's wrong with her. Tried to talk me out of it. And I said, no, I'm firm in what I'm thinking. And, like, I, um, I you know, I'm, I'm a very thoughtful person. I've always been a very thoughtful person in thinking out what I'm doing. And, and I was convinced of what I was believing in them. And so um, I, that's when I told, you know, my Muslim friends, hey, I'm going to Muslim try to help me out of what I need to do. And they're like, okay, well, you got to come to the mosque. you got to, you know, say your shahada, and you got to um, start learning how to pray and stuff. And so they helped me out, and I started hanging out more with them and stuff, and that's how I became Muslim. 
I mean, that's so similar to my own story. I was also a missionary, you know, when I was in high school and was also very, very passionate in my faith and was also just so scared to learn about other faiths, just so scared that I would be, you know, like what you said, possessed or or bewitched or something like this. So you mentioned that, you know, kind of your introduction to Islam was, you know, a a Kurdish family. I have to confess, Uh I knew almost nothing about the Kurdish culture or the Kurdish people or even where they're from until... Um, I actually got to know you and had you know, realized as much as I think I'm cultured, I've never even heard of them before. So I've been reading a little well, bit. Well, <laughs> that's, that's how I was, too, honestly, until I met them. I didn't even know that such a place existed. That's, that's you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, just very briefly, tell me about how you actually met your husband. So, you know, like then after I converted, he was one of the ones that was helping me learn how to do stuff and learn how to pray and whatnot. And so then our friendship turned into something more than a friendship. And that's, that's all she wrote. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, um, I mean, it's it's always so interesting to hear about kind of the the interplay between when we come to Islam and the men that we end up loving. And, you know, there's a lot of women who come into Islam after they marry a Muslim man. And so, I mean, I always like to respect, you know, the path that God has us on. So I was kind of curious about yeah. that. But a little bit about, um, you know, when you guys started having children, it, you know, first of all, I mean, how long were you married before you started having kids? Well, I was married six months when I got pregnant. Oh, girl. Right. You got started real quick like I did. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was us holding off, like, you know, like, I was, like, when I got married, I'm like, I want to have a baby, and he he was more like, no, no, we're young, let's wait, I didn't plan. How old were yeah. you guys when you got married? Um, I was 16, 10 days shy of 17, and um, he was, yeah, I know, I was a baby, but I had just graduated high school, so I was like, yeah, I'm like, okay, time for the next chapter in my life, you know? Um, and uh, he had just graduated, too. So he was he was um, 17, almost about to be 18. Oh, my goodness. Wow. How did that work out with your family? Like, how did they feel about that? Um, they thought, like, because, you know, I was underage. I, we didn't get officially married. Like, legally, we just got married Islamically then. Mm-hmm. And um, they thought I was just moving to Tennessee with my boyfriend to go to college, and so <laughs> they were they were cool with that. They were just yeah. like whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, which is ironic, you know, that they were cool with me just moving to Tennessee with my boyfriend. And if I had gotten married, that would have been like, no, don't do that, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that they like to imagine that you know teenage girls are through faces, and this is just one of those things that Eva's gonna do, and. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. less terrifying, I think, than something permanent. Well, um, I mean, I came from up north where, like, it was very traditional there, too, you know? Like, I came from a home where uh, my mom, you know, was a stay-at-home mom for part of my childhood. And then once my parents got divorced, she, you know, uh, she had to work outside the home and went to school and stuff. So I thought both that size of stuff. And so, um, but my grandparents had a very traditional role where my grandma was still cooking and stuff. And so that wasn't, you know, something that I saw as like an uh, necessarily a bad thing. So I was okay with that. 
and um, and he too like was seen seen himself more as like a breadwinner. So I'm fine with that. Um, and so he was more the breadwinner, and I'm more the stay at home. It hasn't been dependent on their gender, whether I told them to do chores or or had them helped in the house. Or, um, I I've always been like, okay, you're my kid. This, you're part of the household, you have to contribute, you know, kind of thing. So, um, uh, for me, it didn't, it, you know, it didn't matter if I was having boys or girls, I was going to raise them both to be equally responsible individuals in the family, you know? Kudos. And, and my, Kudos. my husband's kind of been all, always on board with that, too. He thinks, you know, like, we're all part of the family, we, you know, have to contribute. That's awesome. You know, kudos to you for yeah. for raising, you know, responsible men because it's an unfortunate reality that especially within the Muslim community, boys are typically yeah. raised in immigrant communities to uh, leave the, the, the household things to the women and to not concern themselves. And it is it is it is truly a form of jihad to teach men to imitate Prophet Muhammad and help their wives and help their sisters and help their moms to take care of the house and to do chores and things like that. So good on you for that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad. And, you know, I mean, they, I mean, sometimes they are kind of like, you know, I mean, they'll be typical teens or they're resistant to stuff. But, I mean, at the same time, I'm still all on and I don't let up, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, they're being resistant because they're teens, you know, not because they're teenage boys who think they shouldn't have to because they're boys. So that's a whole, you know, yeah. that's a different thing. You can't, I guess we can't avoid teens being teens. We were teens at one point. Yeah, so, um, exactly. I mean, right now, you, you you mentioned, you know, basically all of them are in their teens. And, you know, two of them are, are graduated from high school. Let us talk about the hot topic of porn and masturbation in girls. I mean, how did you get through that? How are you getting through that? How do you handle that kind of thing? With boys, because I, I think just <laughs> I have a, a son who's like eight, and I am not looking forward to him get hitting that age. How do you handle that? Um, I probably have a more liberal view on stuff like this. I don't necessarily because of like how me and my husband met and how later like when we converting and stuff. I don't necessarily see like you know knowing somebody uh, as a negative, you know, because it might lead to their, their, uh, risk, you know, their fate. Um, but I do expect certain, you know, behaviors to be followed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making any sense. <laughs> no, you are, you are. Um, how have you, how have you kind of dealt with questions of sexuality? I mean, have they, have they been open to even discussing with you, you know, that are, are they looking, for example, you know, for, for, for girls to have fun with, or are they actually looking for wives? Are they, you know, what are you encourage them toward? I think sometimes people think like, wait till they're older when they're going to get married. But I think it's, it's better to like kind of have a little conversation along the way and get their take and their view on what they feel about those subjects too. And that way you can be like, well, what do you think about this instead, you know, or whatever. A certain route is better for them and why it would be beneficial to them. So that gets them thinking, oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe what mom or dad is saying has some merit to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I I was just sitting here shaking my head, you know, very passionately in agreement with you. 
um, with what you were just saying, especially regarding, you know, talking about these things way before they're ready for marriage. Because I know that my husband is from Jordan and he told me, you know, um, I mean, when we got married, he had never, you know, ever, he didn't, he never had a girlfriend. He never, he never had any experience with women. And, you know, he was here when we got married and his family was in Jordan. And he told me that, you know, they had a conversation with him on the phone a couple of days before our wedding. Like, listen, son, this is what you need to be doing with your wife in bed. Like, he had, you know, everything he had learned up to that point had been talking with his friends and secrets and things like that. And it was all very, you know, under wraps. And the way that they dealt with it was very hush-hush and very shameful. And then they're expected overnight to look forward to sex, to look forward to intimacy with their partner. Yeah. When, it, when, you know, all this while they were they were scared about it and told that it's an awful, dirty thing. And I think that it's, you know... Yeah. It's just I remember when, um, when the first time I went to one of my husband's cultures, weddings, and Kurdish cultures, um, I remember, like, um, they have this person that is for the bride and the groom, and they're called the Sarsi, and they're, like, the person that's supposed to, like, get the bride and groom, like, ready for their wedding night, tell them, like, what they're, what's expected of them and stuff, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, being a serious American was, like, you know, okay, so what does the person tell you, you know, like, I'm, like, okay, maybe they're, like, giving them the lowdown, you know, stuff. And so, so I say, well, what did they tell you? And they said, well, they just say, don't be scared, just follow along. And I'm like, what? That's all they tell you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, so they don't even like say, hey, by the way, you know, your first time's going to be like this or whatever. You know, no, they give you nothing. Then no thing to go on at all. And I'm just yeah. like, oh my God. And, and so, so, you know, I think I feel, especially as, you know, um, parents in the West raising kids up over here, you know, our kids are going to be exposed in movies and TV and stuff to a lot. And if we're not the first ones they're talking to about certain things, then they're going to get educated by those things. And if you want them to know from a Muslim perspective from, you know, our, what you're, you know, think you want them to know from that or you want them to know from the media. So, you know, don't be, like, afraid of talking about those subjects with your kids just because, you know, you're you're afraid of what it, they're going to lead to. I mean, I think a lot of, especially immigrant parents, are afraid to talk about these things because they think, like, if I talk about it, that means they're going to implement it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like, honestly, it's the opposite. I feel like talking about it gets them, you know, gets kind of like them to feel like they can ask questions and yeah, and I think that, um, I mean, I agree with you what, you what you've just said about the kind of advice that they're given. I remember my husband telling me that, you know, they told his sister before her wedding, like, listen, you're going to bleed a lot and it's going to hurt a lot and try not to cry. Like, they, <laughs> that was basically what they told the women. Like, it was, it, it, it's horrifying, you know. But, I mean, again, yeah, I'm like, there's this, I think there's this kind of balance that we're all trying to achieve of we want our kids, you know, to to have a, a healthy grounding in our Islamic faith and in, you know, the way that we're called to live our lives. But at the same time, we don't live in a bubble and the world is happening around us. I mean, how how did you and your husband handle it when your first son, you know, became a man? I mean, when you started noticing that, um, you know, he was interested in girls and things like that, how did you initially approach the topic? Uh, there, there have been a couple of girls with my oldest and, you know, I kind of have been like, you know, okay, just, you know, how we feel about things with Islam and as Muslims, how, you know, so 
I said, you know, you can only take this so far, you know, unless you're going to be like, unless this person is like, you know, somebody who's interested in becoming Muslim. And then, you know, you got to talk to them, you know, and make sure that they're very educated on this stuff. Um, and, and it's not something I take lightly, like, and I don't think like it should ever be like, you know, somebody converts for someone just for the heck of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but I've always told them that, you know, okay, for example, me and your dad, uh, we come from two vastly different cultures, but we were on the same page of both faith. So that was, it was hard and it has been hard and it still is hard at times because of that, because we come from culture. Um, but the thing that has held us together, the thing that has seen us through is being on the same page about faith. But I said, if you don't have that, like I said, that's kind of like, I mean, it's like, why get something started when it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a struggle to, to see it through, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of always been my thing is like I said, you know, like you have to think long and hard. Yeah. Yeah. That girl may be pretty or you may find similar interests or whatever, but if if this is not something that you see you, you know, going with long-term, then, like, it's going to be, it's it's kind of pointless to waste your time on it, you know? And now that kind of may seem foolish to say to a teen boy because they're going to be like, yes, but she's so pretty or whatever, you know? <laughs> well, I really like spending time with her or whatever, you know? But, um... Absolutely. Uh, how have you, um... I mean, how have you handled, how would you say that you parent them as far as that? Would you say that you use, you know, love and acceptance or, you know, or would you say that you, there's elements of shame, you know, because some people, especially from Arab cultures and, and Indo-Pakistani yeah. Indo cultures, if they find their son watching porn or they found out that he's masturbated or something, mm -hmm. there would be a lot of shame involved. It would be, it would be a lot of, you know, making him yeah. ashamed of himself because they see that as an yeah. tactic. Has that been a tactic you, you well, used or your husband's used? Well, um, you know, I, I'd say my, for me, myself, for example, my mom raised me in a very open kind of like, she talked about sexuality very openly. So I'm like very open about talking about stuff like that too. And I, I, I feel like, my husband's doing kind of a little bit more, you know, he's not as crude as some immigrants might be about that topic. Um, and so I, I, I feel like um, too many people try to use shame, like you a way to, to steer them away from it. And I feel like um, that sets a lot of people up for like bad self uh, hating kind of stuff, you know, because they'll be like, well, I'm, you know, I have these natural urges and like, you know, uh, why do, why is this happening to me? If, you know, if it's not a good thing, you know, or it could even like impede their Iman, I feel like honestly, because like they might think, well, what's wrong with me? Why do I have these urges if I'm not a good enough Muslim or what, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, that's a really good segue into the next topic I'd like to kind of discuss with you. How how do you handle, um, you know, questions of faith with them? How how have you and your husband handled it if they came to you and had doubts about their faith? Or how have you enforced things like prayer and fasting? Do you enforce it or do you kind of leave it to them and say, listen, you know, this is your responsibility, you know, and, and 
and kind of going off of that, how early did you inculcate in them the personal responsibility of prayer and fasting? So that's, that's a lot of questions in one. But well, yeah. Well, um, since they were young, we do a lot of group, you know, Jamaat prayer together as a family, whenever we're all home and together. And then prayer, I say when they're younger, I try to be like more awesome to, hey, it's time for prayer, you know, let's do this. But as they get older, I might, you know, every now and then be like, hey, did you do your prayers, blah, 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 like this. But I don't need like for every prayer and I don't think because at that point I'm kind of like too like hey you're old enough now this is your responsibility it's kind of like like other stuff in life you know like uh, that I did their laundry when they were younger right as they got older to be teens I'm kind of like okay you know I have you know a lot of you kids and this whole house not fair for me to do like all of this like I think you can do handle your own now and so as uh, they got to be like teens, I showed them how to do it, and then they took over and did their own laundry. In the beginning, you're on them about it a lot, and then like at one point, it's it's their their job to be the implementer. The if they do it, they do it. If they don't, that's all on them. They have to take uh, responsibility if they didn't do it. And but you know, you're still gonna be like encouraging them. And, uh, you're still gonna be taking them to mosques and stuff and having Islam around them to support them. Yeah. So we can't always be like the crutch to them. You know, we have to at one point, like, you know, be like, it's your responsibility now. And inshallah, if we, I feel like if you instill enough in them as little young Muslims, that inshallah, that seed plan will um, come into fruition, you know? Um, and I feel like faith as a whole is kind of like it goes in like, you know, uh, waves, you know, sometimes you may be stronger and sometimes you may be weaker and that's kind of natural way things go. And, um, you know, maybe sometimes they'll stay on the strong, maybe sometimes they'll stay on the weak, but, you know, how kind of how life is. How old were they when you started to really encourage them and expect them to start praying with you? Um, you know, I, like like I said, you know, like when they were toddlers, they were in the motions, and then as they were, like, um, towards, you know, like, seven and stuff, I was telling them, you know, like, okay, um, this is how you pray. Probably by ten, I was expecting them to, you know, know how to pray. And what about fasting? Fasting? Like, that's more, I, I don't really push it until they, they become more towards the team, like, you know, 12, 13. Uh, but we start off like half days in our house, uh, especially when these Ramadan are there's a long summer days. So like, like for example, my ten year old, um, he would fast like half days last year. This year, I may push him to you know like maybe try a couple full days, uh, and then inshallah, you know, by another year or two, maybe he can he'll be ready to do like full days. But I do know kids that, you know, some Muslims that push their kids to do full days from the get-go when they're really young. I know my one sister-in-law, she said she's been fasting since she was like five or six. God bless her. But, you know, I mean, I think that's extreme. Yeah, I think that's extreme as well. My my son is going to be nine in July. And last year he did, I think, three or four full days of fasting. And mm-hmm. these days I would encourage him, you know, to to try and even just do half a day if you can. 
but he was, he's just like me. He's all or nothing. You know, he's either going to do it or he's not going to do it. And so, um, how do you guys like, how have you, you know, celebrated aid? Because for a lot of converts, whether we're married into another culture or not, um, aid can be such a really lonely time. Have you guys mostly just incorporated Kurdish cultural practices, or how do you guys make make aid a family event? I think I kind of, it's kind of been a mix because, okay, like for example, the Ramadan, we do lots of presents, kind of like it's it's like very reminiscent of you know big Christmases back you know back in the day when I was Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, you know, but we decorate and stuff, which is more of an American thing. Then we also, like, but we do, like, the Kurdish thing, which is, like, is, like, to go visit family, have a big dinner, kind of like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they give money to the kids, and there's candy and stuff hand out, and that's also very, you know, cultural, traditional. So we kind of do a little bit of both. We do, so we'll do, like, presents in the morning and then a big family dinner in the afternoon um, after the eat prayer and so we kind of like incorporate those things in our eyes and then traditionally for us what we've done is like we give big presents after Ramadan meet but then for Hajid I give them money they know if there's any presents they want to request it's for Ramadan so you better tell me in Ramadan what you want <laughs> yeah how, um, what does Ramadan look like for you guys, the day in and day out? I mean, do you, are you one of those people that makes like freezer meals and prepares them ahead of time? Or do you do simpler meals? Or do, are you one of those people who goes all out and has huge feasts every night? I, I, I cook pretty much like what we eat normally, but then I might make extra dishes, special dishes for Ramadan too. And especially like special sweets to break the fast or special soups to break the fast. And um and we do every single day wake up to to eat the pre dawn meal. Like we don't do like I know some people may sleep and eat or uh I mean sleep and eat eat and then sleep and not wake up or they may um just do something simple and light for breakfast. We do like a real like meal for um breakfast, but it's like it's it's, it's typically like Kurdish breakfast style, like bread and lots of different things to eat with the bread mm-hmm. um, and tea. And um, so, and then for dinner, like it's soups and rice and meats and sometimes specialty rices or specialty dishes. Or, um, and then towards the end of Ramadan, we make these cookies um, that are like either date filled or sesame seed filled or um, what's the other one? Nuts. Um, and so those are special cookies we make for Eid. So you guys aren't having like cheeseburgers or spaghetti or anything for breaking your fat? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? My kid, my kid's favorite food is lasagna. So like, like we have to have a lasagna night and we have a taco night. And, oh okay. Um, because <laughs> um, and and then sometimes you know, like I said, it'll be taco night or lasagna or spaghetti or yeah, yeah. kind of how our house is as well. As they just want to eat Arab food, you know. And I'm just like, guys, can any of you? We actually do have spaghetti once a week, but we just started doing that when we moved back home because I wanted to kind of invite my family, my my mom and my siblings, to be part of uh-huh. our, our weekly kind of just to get together once a week and, you know, keep our ties or whatever. And, you know, so we decided, hey, it's easy spaghetti. Everybody likes it, and you can make pretty big portions pretty easily. But other than that, yeah. we, have, we do have a lot of mostly Arab food. But I think a lot of that is because uh, an Arab breakfast, for example, like I'm talking about like full and – 
and eggs and um, adis and all of these kinds of things in the morning are, I mean, they're very protein packed and they're really good for fasting with. So I feel like that's why we yeah. have that. What kind of advice would you have, you know, for, for converts like, like us who are raising children, uh, you know, how, how can you, how have you instilled a love for Allah in your children's hearts? Because it's, a, it's one thing to love being Muslim and to love Islam, and it's a whole other thing yeah. to actually love Allah. How have you made Allah yeah. like a central, a central part of your children's lives? I think, like, um, you know, everything they're doing in life from when they get hurt, you know, to being like, oh, you know, like, let's make the all for this, you know, um, ask Allah for help for this, and also the talking about, oh, you know, like, our blessings, where our blessings come from, you know, Allah helps us with this, and, like, anytime they have questions about things in life, bringing it back to Allah, you know, um, and then, you know, also, like, making your faith as a central part of your life versus as a, a aspect of your life, you know? Yeah. Um, I think for some people, religion is just a, just one part of them versus it, it embodying you. And um, I think when your life is centered around God and your faith in practice, then it's a lot easier to, like, bring stuff back to God and, and stuff. And, like, also, I think it's beneficial to go to like conventions and stuff and take your kids to these things to like be around other Muslims um, because depending on where you live you know if you live in a metro city you may be around a lot of different Muslims of different ethnicities but in some places maybe you're only around one ethnic group or something and so going to conventions is really nice because it'll show them like all different how many Muslims are buried and stuff where you only see that pretty much in Hajj and stuff otherwise. Then also like having things like nashid, um, you know, playing in your car and in your house, um, putting on Muslim videos and cartoons. Um, I remember, you know, when my kids were younger, there were these like cartoons like, uh, Salam and Knights of Virtue and, um, uh, hey, this like Arabic tale about this boy who was brought up by a deer and stuff, and like they're they're just like these cartoons that I would put on for my kids, and like it seemed to really help them and instill good things in them, and you know, um, there's a lot of good nashids out there that still to this day, like if they're played, my kids will be, oh yeah, that's that song, you know, and they really like them, and yeah, um, yeah, I was, and, oh, I do. I, I was going to tell you, like, I remember something you had said earlier, and I wanted to go back to it, but I didn't know if I should bring it up now or if I should yeah, wait. Ahead. Okay, you remember how you had said, like, what if your kids ask you, like, faith questions and stuff like that? How did you handle it or whatever? Yeah, that was actually going to be my very next question, like, because you and I both are <laughs> from Christianity. You know, one of my worst fears is one of my kids coming to me and being like, Mom, I was talking to my friend, and he told me, like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. and how how have yeah. you, how have you really inculcated in them a respect and a regard for people who follow other faiths, but help them to understand like, look, honey, I've been there, and I know what's attractive about that, and I know you know uh, why you would think that that's a good idea, but let me explain to you, you know, why we agree with that, or like, how have you handled that? Well, I think uh, like a lot of things, um, I've always been very like very communicative with them about, like, why we believe things and stuff. So I think because they are informed about their faith, like, I don't, it has not been much of an issue of being like, hey, you know, 
I don't understand why we believe this or something, you know, and uh, or that doesn't make sense because um, even from a young age, I would even say, you know, this is what this other faith believes and this is why, like, you know, it doesn't make sense to us as Muslims and kind of compare contrast so they understand why, um, why, how we, you know, and then I've also been frank with them about me being a convert and why I chose Islam over, you know, the faith I was. But something that has always been also important to me is respecting other faiths, you know, I like, so because we have family that is not Muslim, you know, we go to their houses and stuff and, you know, we've always, like, I've always been like, hey, you know, they may not believe like us, but, you know, we're, we're respectful of everyone else, too, you know, and, and so, um, but what I was going to tell you is that one of my sons, one time, uh, earlier, like last year, I think, um, it was one of my teens, he was like, he's like, I just don't know, um, uh, he's like, I mean, I understand the concepts of God and everything like that, but he's like, I just don't don't know if that's what I believe, you know, and that's like, you kind of like, when you hear something like that, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, inside. And and so um, I could tell that he was a little bit, you know, timid to, uh, to say, like, why he, why he was feeling that way, but he was also kind of searching out for some understanding and try to, you know... He's, he's kind of my, he's my thinker. So I knew that, like, if if we were to discuss it, it probably would, like, help him to, like, understand, you know, he wants to really get to the nitty-gritty and understand stuff before he'll be like, yeah, I agree with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, kind of had some conversations with him, and I think after that he felt better because, I mean, after that I haven't heard him say anything like that again um but I haven't really asked him again so I need to probably like in Ramadan have a sit down with him and say hey you know so how are you feeling about this now because um it you know that was something he was struggling with last year yeah absolutely and I mean I think you handled that pretty well you know rather than you know being like no 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 just don't think like that (laughs) like you can't you can't I don't I don't like being dismissive. I hate it when people are dismissive to me and like how I'm thinking, you know? So like, I think I, I try always to not be that way to, to my kids and other people. Um, because I feel like, you know, the reason somebody's bringing it up is because they want to come to some clarity, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think that's what's yeah. important to me is to teach my kids the truth about these religions without making them seem bad. I like, I, I tell them like, I yeah. can tell you exactly what Christianity is from the perspective of a Christian because I was one, you know, and then I'm going to yeah. explain to you why as Muslims, we don't believe that Jesus is God or is the son of God. And here's, yeah. here's some Bible verses that tell me that he's not the son of God. Things like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't say, look, these people are worshiping the devil and they don't even know it and they're evil. And I don't, you know, that's not the kind of, uh, kind of perspective I want my Yeah, I think have. if you demonize them, you know, then it's like, you know, first off, you're, you're setting them up to maybe like mistreat others that don't, they have the same faith. And second of all, like you said, it's like they're not getting that good understanding and then they're going to be confused on what people really believe in or whatever, you know? I, I think, though, the important thing that people should focus on is that, like, um, that it is totally compatible to be 
dually American and Muslim, you know, like it's, uh, um, you know, you don't have to choose either or, you can embrace both, and they both can be, you know, work in harmony, and I know it sounds probably to some people like it wouldn't work, but it does, you know? Absolutely. Again, just thank you so much okay. for taking time out of your day. It was, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.